Hey, thank you guys. Thanks, Ben. Do you? I don't think I need a microphone, right? You guys, can, you guys can hear me, right? Just normal. You guys. Someone said, "What did you say?" Can you guys hear me? Just talking normally, like that? No, you can't. You don't think so? I think you can. I think you can. So, um, well, guys, um, this is like kind of the first like section of the marriage conversation that we're going to get into. Last week, I just introed it um, and just kind of like talked about maybe a little bit of the pains of marriage, like divorce and like some of our cultural thoughts and concepts of marriage. Um, and we talked about the secret of marriage being you need something in your marriage outside of you pouring out love upon both you and your wife or you and your husband. And, and out of that is where you guys need to love each other. Um, so I want to continue picking up from there with that uh, concept. And I'm, we're going to actually break it down a little bit more of, you know, marriage involving like three persons actually. Um, and I'm going to explain that a little bit as we um, dive in. So um, if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you can pull it up. It's Ephesians 5, 18 um, through 33 that we're actually going to be um, reading. And um, the thing that I want you guys to be thinking about um, as we read it is, is this idea of like, what is, um, what is marriage? Um, and and what, does, what does that mean? And what does that look like? Um, and how does God uh, paint the picture of marriage? And let me tell you, it's going to maybe offend you. All right? A little bit. So um, listen for the words that might offend you, okay? Listen for the words that might push back against what you might think is culturally normal um, and be like, actually, that's different than what I thought marriage was. And, it's, and we're going to talk a little bit about why God says it that way. So Ephesians 5, 18 through 33. Don't get drunk with wine, um, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. That's his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is God's word spoken, the most important thing said tonight, and it will last forever, long after these words and long after your own words. Um, so cling to it. Listen to it. So, Something that I want to draw upon, and we're going to talk about maybe like the first half of this text, and then next week we'll tackle the second half a little bit. But marriage involves love. It does, all right? It does involve this thing called love, but it also involves something else. It involves law. It involves love and the fact that people get married because, well, they think that they're cute. and The other person's cute. You're like, hey, that, 
that's a cute girl. That's a cute guy. And so they start a relationship and they, they have attraction and then they have chemistry and then they, get, they have like the same spiritual beliefs and then they get married and they, and they love each other. Um, people that get married out of love, they see each other at their best and they've seen each other at their worst and then they choose at, to love that person in their best moments and then they choose to love that person in their worst moments for better or for worse. Oftentimes, though, we just make love into just a simple feeling, which it is a feeling, but it's also an action. It is a choice. To love someone is to willingly place your own favor upon them over and over again. It's a choice to love, and marriage is a choice. You don't marry everybody. You pick someone. You pick them out, and you say, this person is more important than any other person that's ever existed on the planet to me. That's love. You're choosing a singular person to show and lavish upon them all of your affection. It is a special relationship. Marriage involves love. You should have love in your marriage. But also marriage involves law. This is where it gets a little tricky to us. One of the separating factors in a marriage relationship that is, um, it's, it's that it's legal. When you get married, you actually go to the courthouse you not only you know, take vows before God and before the church, but you also go to the courthouse and you get your marriage license. It involves binding agreement. This is the difference between like loving your boyfriend and girlfriend or having a boyfriend and girlfriend. This is one of the big differences is when you get married, it becomes legal. Um, in some ways, it becomes really complicated. You can't just simply break up. You can't just simply say, we're done, um, because there's significant legal ramifications um, when it comes to a marriage. Um, you have to sign documents. You need lawyers um, if you want to break up your marriage. Um, and, and that's what a lot of you guys have experienced with your own parents um, and divorce. Um, and it's sad, and it's heartbreaking, and it's complicated. Uh, marriage is more than just a commitment to one another, um, but it involves a submission to a higher authority. It involves a submission to the law. It is legal agreement between two individuals, but also a legal agreement with the state and with God. So even greater than a legal agreement with the state and with the court, marriage is actually a legal agreement between you and God, between you and your creator. When a couple takes their wedding vows, and whether they are Christian or not, they take their... This is fascinating to me. This is absolutely fascinating. When people get married whether they're a Christian or not, they take wedding vows and they take vows and they say these vows and they don't even realize that they're actually vowing to God. Even, like, even the non-Christians, when they take the vows, they're actually not making vows to themselves. They do that at one point, but at a certain point, they're making a vow to God. And that's when they say, I do, right? There's a point where they look at each other and take vows to each other, but there's a point where they're looking to the preacher and they're taking vows to God. A marriage involves love and law, and they go hand in hand. That's what makes a marriage special. It's legal, and it's love. It involves more than just two people getting married, but it involves a community as well. Marriage, and what we would call, is a covenant. That's the, the combo of love and law. Marriage is a covenant. And it's a covenant not just between you and your spouse, but it's a covenant between you and God and your spouse. And so in this Ephesians 5 text, we see covenants made, obligations made. In the Old Testament, you would have a covenant, and, you, and God would make a covenant with people, and they would make covenants with each other. And what they would do is they would take an animal, cut it in half, 
split it open, take one half, stick it over here, take another half, stick it over here with blood on the ground. And in order to make this covenant, they would make a promise to each other like, I will, if, for a marriage, I will love you, you alone, no matter what, until death do us part. And they would walk in between the dead animal, both parties. And what they were saying is, is that if I broke this covenant, I will be like this dead animal, split in two. It will rip me apart. Marriage is like two pieces of paper with super glue on it that you glue together. And if you rip it apart, if one party decides this is not working, they break that covenant. You cannot rip them apart. It's, it's, it's mangled if you try to rip them apart. It's a disaster. It's a mess. That's how serious a marriage vow is. That's what it is. It's a covenant. And so we have these obligations, these covenants that we see done in the marriage. And we see a wife and she makes a covenant. And what is this covenant? What is her obligation? What is her command in the marriage? If you look at Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, wives, it says, wives, this is your part in the covenant. It says, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Does that offend you? It's a little offensive, right? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The covenant obligation in the marriage for the wife is to submit. Stick with me for a second. Three times it, it, this text challenges wives to submit. It has nine. It says to men something nine times. Okay, so this is important. But men, your moment is coming. All right. But remember, this is a piece of the covenant. In Genesis one. We see that a man and a woman is made in God's image and his likeness. We see in Ephesians 5.22 that a wife is encouraged to, quote-unquote, submit to her husband. This does not seem very equal, right? Oh, if we're equally made in God's image, why is there this call, this order of submitting to your husband? We're all created equally in God's image. A man reflects God's image just as equally as a woman does. But at the same time, men and women are designed differently. Their bodies have different body parts, and they are meant for different roles. And Paul, who's writing Ephesians 5, he's, he's talking about these differences, okay? And he's talking about these different roles and purposes for image-bearing women and image-bearing men, and when they come together in marriage. And a wife is, is, is encouraged to submit. But a better way of saying this, because submit is like a really hot topic term um, in our society, but a better way of saying this should be, be placing herself under the authority of her husband and following his lead. And a quick note, I'm not telling you as women to submit to all men. I'm telling you to, if you are in love with someone and you find a husband, that your call out of love for him is to place yourself under his authority and trust, which is something you would want to do with your husband, right? Not with all men. So this, once again, is very important that you realize this is just with you and your husband. It's not with you and all men, all right? It's not with you and just every average Joe guy. Or if you ever hear a Christian say, hey, woman, submit to me, that's in the Bible. That's not true. It's about wives understanding that there has to be this intimate connection and relationship of trust and vulnerability between both the husband and wife in order for her to say, yes, I trust you and I let you have authority over me, lead me. So that's just a quick note, all right? This is about a wife and a husband and trusting in your husband. Um, kind of, in a sense, placing yourself under his arm, right? Allowing him 
to lead you on the dance floor in a sense. These are like symbolic ways of saying like, as a wife, let him protect you. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. Let him help you decide on what is right and how to do. And guess what? He's going to be wrong a lot of the times and you're going to be right. But every now, but you should allow him to lead. All right. Allow him because you trust him and he has authority and you're going to want to. All right. That's a desire of your heart inside of your heart. You desire for your husband to take the lead, for your husband to offer you security, for your husband to offer you wisdom. This does not just mean, though, like you're not going to fight and argue. You should. You should have discussions. You should, if you disagree with him, let him know that you disagree. And you should argue about it and talk about it. Don't be willy-nilly and do whatever he says, but do ask questions. But then at the end of the day, come to a point where you are able to find trust in him. Okay? And then husbands, this does not mean that you can just ask your wife to do whatever you want. You can't. All right? Do not read this verse in that light. If you are reading this verse in that light, then you have missed the heart of a husband. But rather, both husband and wife, they should trust each other. And the wife should follow his lead and follow him. Paul compares this to like Jesus and his church. Okay? He says the church should trust and follow Jesus. And that's all of us. We are trusting and follow Jesus. And we should do as he commands. We should obey him. And we should submit to his authority over our lives. What he says, we are trusting in his security, in his authority, that what he knows is best for us. And so we're going to allow him to tell us what to do with our lives and we're going to follow him. And we want to because he's our savior. He's our king. He's our beloved. So why should we submit to Jesus? Why should we trust Jesus? And why should a wife submit to her husband? And the next verse is in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands have a covenant as well. They have an obligation as well. Husbands, you should love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And 27, so that might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. The reason why a wife can willingly submit to her husband in a marriage is because her husband loves her. Because her husband cares about her. She is the apple of her, husband, of her husband's eye. And how does God say that a husband is supposed to love his wife? He loves her by giving himself up. A wife submits to her husband because the husband gives himself up for her over and over again. A husband gives himself up for her by placing her needs and wants above his own, by becoming selfless, by doing what is best for his wife instead of for himself. There's a story um, about this couple. They live on a farm and they have a barn full of animals and a giant storm comes through, a snowstorm, and it's cold and there's tons of snow blowing in. And they, go to, they get ready to go to bed. They brush their teeth. They put on the pajamas. They jump into the bed. They're in the warm, cozy, comfortable bed. And as they're about to fall asleep, the wife says to her husband, hey, you know what? I wonder if the animals are cold in the barn. And the husband in his head thinks, he knows with full truth that the animals are warm inside the barn. But he also knows that if he doesn't get out of bed 
And if he doesn't himself put on the boots and put on his jacket, and if he doesn't himself walk out into the snowstorm, if he doesn't himself open that barn door and check on those animals and make sure that they are warm, and then walk back and get back in bed, that in a few moments, his wife would be so worried that she wouldn't be able to sleep. And she would be so worried that she would actually herself get up, put her boots on, and go out into the snowstorm and check on the animals and go back to sleep. So what does he do? He gets up. He puts his boots on. And he goes checks on the animals and makes sure that they're warm. Even though he knew they were warm. He knew it. He knew they were warm. But he did it for her. Because she didn't want her to worry throughout the night. She, he wanted her to rest. He wanted to take care of her. He wanted to put her needs above his own. And he became uncomfortable so that she could sleep. So that she didn't have to go out into the snowstorm. It seems silly to us men sometimes. Like, why are they worried about this? Of course they're warm inside the barn. The barn is like, is perfect for them. But we have to place their needs above our own. We have to lay down our lives for our wives. This is why wives can trust their husbands. This is why wives can submit to their husbands because they know that their husbands would die for them. They know that their husbands, without hesitation, would lay down their life for them. There's another famous story um, about a giant um, avalanche coming down, and there's this restaurant sitting on the mountain, and this avalanche was coming towards this restaurant, and there's a, there's a video camera filming, and there's a family together sitting there. And as the avalanche is coming down, there's this family, husband, wife, and their kids sitting there. It's coming down, hurling down into the place. It looks like it's about to hit. And as it gets close to hitting, the husband gets up and sprints out of the restaurant. As the mom gets up, grabs her children, and huddles them up to protect them from the avalanche. And the avalanche misses them just barely. And sure enough, the mom looks up and there is no, she can't find her husband. And the husband, you know, you see him come back on this security camera, come back in and be like, is everything okay? And she's just looking at him like, what are you doing? Who are you? They would later get a divorce because the trust was broken, because he placed his life above the life of her and their children. That's not a marriage. A marriage involves a husband who's willing to lay down his life for his wife, just like Jesus laid down his life for you. Why do husbands lay down their lives? Because of Jesus. And this is God's covenant and his obligation. This is the source of true love. This is why I believe true love does exist. It's because I've seen it and experienced it. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for his church. Husbands give their lives up for their wives because Jesus has done this for them. Jesus has chosen to love us. Jesus has chosen to place himself under the law. Okay, he came down to earth, placed himself under the law, and he bound himself to us in a covenant. And Jesus says that if we can't submit, and that if we can't love our wives, if we can't submit to our husbands, he will maintain this covenant with us by dying on the cross. The covenant with Jesus is completely on his shoulders. Your marriage is actually completely on his shoulders. And he sustains it with his whole life. Understand me, you will not perfectly submit to the authority of your husband. Understand me, husbands, you will not love your wives well. You will at times be like the husband when the avalanche was coming down and you will take off and you will only think about yourself. 
But there's another person in this covenant of marriage who will take on your sin of both the wife and the husband that you both most rely on, must rely on, in order to have a beautiful marriage. Because you need his grace in order to offer each other's grace when you fail to be a good wife and a good husband. Jesus places all the covenant on his shoulders. Jesus vows this to us. And this is what he says to us when we get married. He says, I take you. He says this both to wife and husband. I take you to be my bride. And I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses to have you. I promise to hold you from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. I vow, I promise to love you and to cherish you. And I promise to be with you in your life. And he promises to be with you and your death and he promises to be with you beyond it the greatest relationship in a marriage is not between the husband and wife but it's between the husband and his god and the wife and her god because that relationship goes beyond death that relationship goes into eternity and it's from that source of eternity that you guys can offer eternal love to each other here on earth so even though we sin against God, even though we cheat against him with other lovers, the Bible calls us prostitutes. We prostitute ourselves to other gods and idols. Jesus still makes this vow to us, and he dies on the cross for you and for I because we are his beloved. We are his bride. He lays down his life for his beloved, and it's from this love that a husband lays down his life for his wife, and it's from this love that a wife will submit to her husband. This is what a beautiful marriage is. In marriage, you will fall, fail to love God. You will fail to love your spouse. And you'll fail to submit to each other. But in Jesus, you can forgive and continue in your marriage. The marriage just doesn't involve a husband and wife, but it involves God and his covenants. And he places all the burden on himself. So in marriage, you can experience in so many ways the, the fullness of God's love. And it's beautiful. And it's worth it. Let me pray for you guys. And you guys can talk in your small groups about it. Um, Father, thank you for this time um, that we can open your word and read about it. Um, I pray that you go with us as we talk about marriage um, and that you would bless our conversations, that you would speak to us, um, and that we would see the beauty that you have set up in marriage um, for us to have and for us to enjoy to the fullest. In Jesus' name, amen.